Adults, please turn to the book of Acts. Book of Acts. We're going to begin a new series on the book of Acts. Very excited about it. We've gone through the book of Acts before, but the Lord's leading us for us to go through this again. And of course, you always learn new things. You can study the Word of God and even preach it and teach it and go back over it. And you learn and learn and learn. You just you never learn it all when it comes to the Word of God, but especially the Book of Acts. Before I read the text, I want to honor Brother Edmund Dice, who has gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, he had put so much foundation in me concerning the Book of Acts, so I want to. Uh, recognize what he has done in my life, although he's gone on to be with the Lord, and what he put into me concerning the book of Acts. He put so much foundation in me, and then I've gone on to study uh, further, but I don't think anything I have ever read, anything I have ever heard, was as good as Edmund Dice. So I want to honor him today in that foundation that he put in my life. Amen. Concerning the book of Acts. So you're going to get blessed by the word of the Lord today. Let's uh, read the word of the Lord in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. The Bible says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. I'll just read those two verses. We're going to try to cover the first chapter today. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, God. We ask your blessing and your anointing, your power to be upon us. We depend on your spirit. We depend upon your anointing. We depend upon your inspiration to be able to declare this word. Father God, I am in your hands. And this church is in your hands. Give us understanding, we pray, in all that we do. In Jesus' name. Lord, let me do a good job for your glory. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> the book of Acts. The heading is the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles. But a better title is Some of the Acts of Some of the Apostles. Because even though we have the Apostles recorded in the book of Acts, we don't have all of the Acts of any of the Apostles nor do we have all of the apostles recorded in the book of Acts. So instead of just saying the Acts of the Apostles, it should be some of the Acts of some of the Apostles. Or you could title it the Actions of the Holy Ghost through the church. The Actions of the Holy Ghost through the church. As far as an outline is concerned, let's go over to chapter 6. In verse 7, first section is chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 6, and verse 7. It's good when you're studying a book in the Bible that you get a general overview of the book as a whole first. Then you come back and you deal with the primary aspects of the book. So chapter 1, 1, through chapter 6, and verse 7, if you'll look at verse 7 of chapter 6, the first section... It says, And the word of God increased 
And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Do you see that? Okay, hold your place there. Go back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. This is the key verse in the book of Acts. Acts 1 and 8, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the first section is what? It's going to start with Jerusalem. And then it's going to go from there to Judea and Samaria, right? Then to the uttermost part of the earth, correct? So the first section, chapter 1 through chapter 6, verse 7, is a section that deals with Jerusalem. The witness going to Jerusalem. Okay? So verse 7 again, the word of the Lord, the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied where? In Jerusalem greatly, and great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. The next section begins with verse 8 of chapter 6, and it goes to chapter 9. Verse 31, Acts 9, 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all where? Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So the next section is the witness to where? Judea and Samaria. All right. Next section after that's 9.32. And we jump over to 12.24. This section deals with the conversion of the Apostle Paul and Gentiles coming into the church. Verse 24. But the Word of God grew and what? Multiplied. So this has to do with the Gentiles coming into the church. The Word of God is multiplying and it's growing. Next section deals with uh, 12, that 12, uh, 25 through 16, verse 5. This is the Galatian reason, region. 16, verse 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Right? Okay. So that's the Galatian section. Now, 16 verse 6 through 19 verse 20. 19 verse 20 says, So mightily grew the word of God and what? Prevailed. That is the section that deals with the witness going to Europe. And then 1921 through 2831, we have the gospel reaching all the way to Rome the uttermost parts of the earth. Alright? So Galatians 1 and 8, it says, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me where? First, Jerusalem. Then where? Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So just like the Bible starts out in verse 8, the key verse of Acts we have that sectioned out in the book of Acts and we see the Word of God going forth and prevailing and the church is growing, etc. So that is the outline of the book of Acts. It's not the only outline that you can give, but it is a very, very good outline. 
So the acts of the apostles or some of the acts of some of the apostles or the actions of the Holy Ghost through the church. Let's look at verse 1. It says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. What is the former treaties? It's the Gospel of Luke. That is correct. Because the book of Acts is written by Luke the physician. Colossians tells us that he was a physician. So the book of Acts is written by Luke, but he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. When he wrote the Gospel of Luke, he wrote it to the same person, Theophilus. And Theophilus in the Gospel of Luke is called Most Excellent Theophilus. Right? So the former treatise or the former pamphlet or the former letter that Luke wrote was the Gospel of Luke. It was written to the same man, Theophilus. He was known as the excellent Theophilus, which means that he could have been a governor of Rome. Because that term, excellent Theophilus, the word excellent, is also applied to Felix, who was a governor in the book of Acts. So when Luke began to write his gospel, he wrote it to most the most excellent Theophilus, possibly a governor, that term excellent was also used of the knights. Knights. Like the knights of Rome. So he was a high-ranking official, possibly a Roman governor or a knight in the Roman Empire. So Luke wrote his gospel to Theophilus and also after he finished that pamphlet or that book, he then wrote volume 2. Luke is volume 1. Acts is volume 2. He wrote it to the same man, Theophilus, this high-ranking government official. Theophilus may not have been his uh, real name because the word Theophilus, Theos, uh, uh, and then the second part, Philean, has it means lover of God or friend of God. So because persecution was so great in the early church, they were probably protecting the man's identity by simply calling Theophilus by maybe his baptismal name. Okay? That he was known as the friend of God or the beloved of God, Theophilus. So probably not his real name. But this high-ranking official, this high-ranking Roman official, the apostle, or Luke, is writing to him the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts to convince him of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Say amen. amen. And so the writer is Luke. The former treatise is the Gospel of Luke. This is the next volume. It's a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. It's written by Luke. To Theophilus, the friend of God, and it's, are y'all here today? It is authored by the Holy Ghost. The author is God, but the writer is Luke, and it's written to Theophilus. And it's to convince him of what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Luke would have been written on about a 35-foot scroll, because that's basically the length of the scroll in those days. The, gospel, or the book of Acts would have also been written on a 35-foot scroll. So two 35-foot scrolls. The Gospel of Luke, first volume. The book of Acts, the second volume, written to Theophilus. Now, 
he wrote this to Theophilus also to show Theophilus that the church wasn't all that bad. They need to realize that in the church, at the beginning of the church, that you're going to have the persecution of the church from the Jewish people primarily. It will begin to flow into government persecution, but at the beginning of the early church, it will come from the Jewish nation. So they're not saying a lot of good things about the church. Persecution is breaking out on the church. Uh, as far as the world is concerned, if the church was a good thing, if the church was worshiping the same God that Israel was worshiping, are y'all here? Then why is the Jewish nation against it? So there was an op- a lot of opposition, a lot of tribulation, a lot of persecution to the early church coming from the Jewish nation. And so Luke, who possibly was a Greek, not a Jew, it is also possible that he was a Jew. But I'm saying that it is a possibility that he was a Greek and not a Jewish man. But he was a doctor. He was a physician. And he writes the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts to convince Theophilus that the church is not a bad thing. That the church is a good thing. Because you can't go by what the Jewish people are saying. And also, even the Roman Empire. You can't really just look at the Roman Empire and go by what the Jews said about the Roman Empire. I mean, they wouldn't have had anything good to say about the Roman Empire because they were controlled by the Roman Empire. But there were a lot of good things about the Roman Empire. Their law, their justice system, their roads, etc., There was a lot of good things about the Roman Empire. It wasn't all bad. Are y'all here right now? So just because somebody says something's bad doesn't make it bad. So they they say the church was bad. That doesn't make it bad. And they say the Roman Empire was bad. That doesn't make the Roman Empire all bad. So you got to realize that the early church from the very beginning, from its inception, from its birth, into this world, there was always people talking bad about it and saying it was a bad thing and primarily from the Jews, and then the Roman Empire as well is all bad, right? Well, you got to use your mind, you got to use your spirit, you got to discern, you got to find out what people's motives are. Do they have a personal agenda? Is there a personal battle that they're trying to launch against something? It, you know, so you can't always go by what somebody tells you about something. So the, the writer here, this physician, Luke, who was probably a slave doctor of a ship. And I would encourage you to take notes if you, if you have something to write on. Because most of your doctors in that culture were slave doctors on ships. So the physician, Luke, writing Theophilus, why would he write this particular man? Number one, to convince him that the church was not all that bad. Secondarily, to convince him of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But thirdly, it is possible that Luke the physician, Luke the doctor, made this man Theophilus well in his body. It is possible that Theophilus was sick in his body and Luke helped him get well. And so as a result of that, it is believed that Theophilus had Luke the physician freed from slavery. And so now Luke is writing the Gospel of Luke and then the second volume, the book of Acts, to Theophilus as a you know thank you to him for what he had done for him, but primarily specifically to show him the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ 
and that the church was not all that bad. So he says, well, he said, you're a friend of God. You're a lover of God. So I want to put on record as a physician on record the church and what the church is all about. Say praise the Lord, church. The Gospels, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, speak to you of the seed that fell to the ground and died. The book of Acts speaks to you of the harvest that came from the seed that died. Are y'all awake today? The Gospels show us the finished work of Jesus hanging upon the cross. His work from the cross. The book of Acts shows us His work from the throne today. Because He's risen from the dead and He's sitting upon the throne. And that shows His work for us today. That's why the Bible says that when Luke wrote this book of Acts at Theophilus, he said, I'm going, you know, the first treatise was, was what Jesus began to do and say. But now I'm going to write the book of Acts, says Luke, the second volume, to show you that Jesus' work is continuing. That the Gospel of Luke is what He just began to do and say. The book of Acts is what He continues to do and say. Say praise the Lord, church. He's the risen Lord and He's upon the throne today and He's working from the throne. And He's working through His church, His body that's upon the earth that He has filled with His Spirit. Say, praise the Lord, church. When you look at the Gospels, the Bible tells us that the Roman Empire, which was the political empire of the day, was involved in crucifying Jesus. This Roman Empire that presented itself as an empire of justice was the one who took the just one and the holy one and nailed him to the cross working with Jerusalem, the religious hub of the world of their day. So when you get into the book of Acts, you see the gospel going from Jerusalem, the religious hub, all the way to the Roman Empire, the political hub of the day. The Roman Empire and the Jerusalem church, the Roman Empire, political empire, and the church, Jerusalem, religious empire, combined together to crucify the Lord or the Christ of God. So now we see from the religious hub to the political hub of the world, the gospel is going to be preached. The messianic kingdom is going to be preached. Say amen. Amen. The Bible tells us that Jerusalem buried him and Rome sealed the tomb to keep him from rising from the dead. But God raised him from the dead. Let me say it to you again. Jerusalem, the religious hub, crucified him. And they put him in a tomb or buried him. Rome sealed the tomb so he couldn't rise, but God raised him from the dead. So what you have in the book of Acts, you have the gospel being spread from Jerusalem all the way to the Roman Empire, and they did it in less than 30 years. And it started out with 120 people. Are y'all here today? Jesus started His own church in Jerusalem. He started it in Jerusalem. The church began. And it was only 120 people. Say 120 people. We'll get that to, to that in just a minute. But by that 120 people, as they begin to witness to their world, within 30 years, because this book of Acts was written around 30 to 33 A.D., uh, I say written, no, written around 63 A.D., but the church was founded in 33 A.D. So within about 30 years, the gospel had been preached to the whole world. And all they started out with was 120 people. 
Are y'all with me today? So the gospel went from Jerusalem all the way to the Roman Empire with a church of 120 as its beginning. Whoa, say praise the Lord, church. They were anointed. They were full of power. And there's something you're going to see in the book of Acts about the church. They were utterly convinced. There was no doubt in their mind that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And there was no doubt in their mind that He was the true King of kings and Lord of lords. They were utterly convinced that He was the Son of God. And utterly convinced of His resurrection. And utterly convinced that He was the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they went to spread that message to the whole wide world. Within 30 years they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Say praise the Lord church. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So this is the book we're going to study. We're going to see Jesus now on the throne, ruling from heaven. The Gospels deal with His earthly life as He walked upon the earth. Now the book of Acts deals with His work in the heavenly realm as He's sitting upon the throne. So the Bible tells us that the, the uh, doctor physician Luke wrote this to Theophilus of all that Jesus began to do, both to do and to teach. Say Amen. amen. When Jesus came into the world, He began to do new things. When Jesus came into the world, He began to teach new things. It affected people's lives. It changed their way of doing things. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. I thank God for the Word. I thank God for the, the doing of Jesus Christ, what He did and what He taught. It was new. It, it would change the world. Are y'all here today? Give the Lord some praise. And what you need to realize is this, is that it didn't just happen. Are y'all awake? Jesus didn't just come here and it just, it just happened. Every new religion has to be a pre-announced from heaven. If it's a true religion, it has to be pre-announced from heaven. We have to know who the preacher is. What is his name? We have to know what he's going to preach when he comes here. It has to be pre-announced from heaven before He comes. So when Jesus came into the world to do and to teach, it was a new thing that He was bringing into the world. But it had been pre-announced from heaven. His name was pre-announced from heaven. You shall call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. The message He would preach was predetermined. The book of Acts uh, is preceded by the Gospels and John the Baptist going forth and preaching repentance. Prepare ye the way of the kingdom of God. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Right? So the message had to be pre-announced. Uh, and the name had to be pre-announced. And it was pre-announced. So that when Jesus came into the world, He wasn't doing His own thing. And it wasn't something that just happened. It was, his name was pre-announced. What He would preach was pre-announced. So that when He came, you should have been looking for Him. When He came, you should have welcomed Him. Because it had already been pre-announced because any new religion has to be pre-announced from heaven. So the Bible says what He began to do and teach is what was pre-announced before He came. It's authentic. In fact, the Spirit of God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Pre-announced from heaven. Give the Lord praise in this house. 
So it didn't just happen when he came. It was all in place, pre-announced. But not only that, but historically it was prepared. The fullness of time he came. He didn't just come at any time. The fullness of time Jesus Christ came into the world. Let me go through some points with you as to how God prepared the world for Jesus Christ. Number one, there was the dispersion. The Jewish dispersion. The Jews had been scattered throughout the world. Why? Because they had turned their back on the Lord, so God scattered them throughout the world before Jesus came. And so it was the judgment of God upon them, but God was going to take that and use it for the good. He was going to take a bad situation and use it for the good. So you got the Jews scattered throughout the world. The gospel can go throughout the world through the Jewish people who believe. Say amen. Amen. Secondarily, uh, there was the Jewish, um, not just the Jewish dispersion, but the Jewish synagogue. The synagogues were all over the world. Say amen. And it is true in the early church, there was no church buildings. Let me tell you something about the book of Acts. When you come to the book of Acts, don't try to read your group into the book of Acts. Because you might be surprised you might not be in there. Your group might not be in there. Your church might not be in there. But hopefully ours are. But what I'm trying to say is some of the things even we do are not in the book of Acts. Because they didn't have church buildings like this. But they did have synagogues. And when they preached the gospel, the Bible says the apostles would go into the synagogues and preach the gospel in the synagogues all over the world. Say amen. Amen. I don't mean to bore you today, but I'm just giving you the word of God. So the fact that the Jews were scattered throughout all the world, they had synagogues set up all over the place. Then those apostles could go into those synagogues and declare Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of prophecy and the fulfillment of the word of God. So all of the world's synagogues were established. Thirdly, a universal language. Say universal language. Some people say, I don't believe in speaking in tongues today. They say because when God poured out His Spirit or Jesus poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost and people began to speak with other tongues, it was to missionary the world. That is completely utter foolishness. Because the whole world spoke Koine Greek. It was a common Greek of the day. Everybody in the world spoke Greek. Say amen. So when they spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't to missionary the world. They had the common language that they preached in, the Greek language everywhere they went. So that's utter foolishness to say that they got the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues so they can missionary the world. They missionaried the world in the common language of their day, and that was the Greek language, Koine Greek. All over the world that language was spoken. It was a universal language that came from Alexander the Great. Even as he conquered the world, the Greek Empire, even the Old Testament Hebrew Bible had been translated into Greek. It was called the Septuagint. Seventy of the greatest scholars the world had ever known made their way to Alexander, Egypt, and they translated the Old Testament Hebrew into the Greek language so that even the Bible, the Old Testament Bible that they had, was in the common language of the day. Wow. 
Say hallelujah to the Lamb. Also, the Roman Empire in that day has been established. And the Roman Empire has built roads. It's called the Roman Roads. Those roads that the Roman Empire built way back then are still in use today. They're some of the best roads that have ever been built in the history of man. And so the Roman roads gave the ability for people to travel all over the Roman Empire. Say amen. Amen. And they traveled freely. They didn't have to take their visa or their passport as they traveled from one part of the Roman Empire to another. You could walk freely on those Roman roads without anybody stopping you and asking you for your right to do it. Everybody had a right to travel the Roman road so the gospel gospel could preach to the world as they traveled those Roman roads and also the Roman law, which was a law of justice. And so there was a lot of things that the Roman Empire had set up that was good for the gospel. Say praise the Lord, church. Give him a hand clap of praise. What I'm trying to tell you, this wasn't this thing didn't just happen in the fullness of time. God God had set it all up. And the fifth thing that caused the gospel to be ripe for that age is people were tired of religion. It was dead. The religion of the day was dead. It was dry. It was boring. And all of a sudden, God brings the church into the world. And the church is vibrant. And it's alive. And it's anointed. In fact, people all over that empire said, these are the Christed ones. These are anointed people. And so because of their dead, dry, pagan religions, they started flocking into the church because it was vibrant. It was life-changing. It was anointed. It was exciting. had the power of God in it. had the miracles in it. And so dead, dry religion was one of the things that God used for the spreading of the gospel for Jesus to come. Those five things. Give the Lord praise in the house. When you get into the book of Acts, you need to get into the atmosphere of the book of Acts. You're going to see that many things that we, we have now, and I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm not saying a church building's bad. Come on, somebody. But they didn't have church buildings. They went from house to house. Or synagogue to synagogue. Church buildings are nice, glad form, right? But I'm just telling you, don't try to find that in the book of Acts. Say amen. Amen. There's some things you're not going to find in the book of Acts. You're not going to find tax deductions for your, your contributions. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. But you're not going to find tax deductions in the book of Acts. Uh, for your giving. That's something that's in our, our culture, in our time right now. You give, you know, you get to write it off of your taxes. But they didn't have that in the early church. They didn't even have altars in the early church. Because Jesus was their altar. Give the Lord praise in the house. Say hallelujah. That church was led by the Spirit. That church understood that Jesus was the true King and He was the administrator of everything that went in that church. And that we were the body, but He was the head. And you cannot disconnect the body from the head, nor can you disconnect the head from the body. That church understood that. 
And they lived in that atmosphere of being led by the Spirit. They didn't get together and plan their plans. And that they planned their plans, asked God to approve of it. They got their plans directly from the king. They got their administration. They got their missionary works, what they were supposed to do. They were led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says they would get up and start moving to a certain area of the world to preach the gospel. And the Spirit, the Bible says, suffered them not. The Spirit said, well, yeah, well, we're supposed to preach the gospel. But the Bible says the Spirit suffered them not to go certain places. These people were led by the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of things in our church that wasn't in the book of Acts. Sunday school wasn't in the book of Acts. I'm not saying Sunday school is not a good thing, but Sunday school was not in the book of Acts. That's something later on the church adopted. It's a great thing, but it wasn't in the book of Acts. So what I'm telling you is when you read the book of Acts and you try to find yourself in that early church, you might not find yourself in that early church. I'm talking about the way you do things. Now you might find yourself doctrinally in the book of Acts. Praise the Lord for that. Some churches can't even find themselves doctrinally in the book of Acts. But thank God you and I can at least find ourselves doctrinally in the book of Acts. But I'm just telling you that you have to get in the atmosphere of the book of Acts. You have to understand the background, the culture. You have to understand that the Jewish nation was looking for a king. They were looking for a kingdom. I preached to you not long ago on a Sunday. i got to be careful. i got to get too excited. But I preached to you not long ago about the book of Judges. There was no king in their day and everybody did that was right in their own eyes. So that they were looking for a king to come back. And originally Adam was the king of the earth but when he fell he lost that. Say amen. And so from that time all the way through the world was looking for, the nation of Israel was looking for a king. And the kings that were set up like David etc. were only kings underneath the true king. They were vice regents under the true king of kings and lord of lords. Say amen. But the nation was wondering, when is, the, when is there going to be a king and when is there going to be a kingdom again? Say hallelujah to the Lamb. And so in the book of Genesis, we find out that he will be a descendant of Abraham and he will come and bless the world. We find out later he will be a descendant of David. He will be the lion of the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David. And then you get into the prophets. And the prophets preached uh, five areas. They preached, number one, say judgment. Then they preached restoration that followed judgment. Which means after the judgment, then God will restore the people back to the land. They preached the coming of the Messiah. And He would bring spiritual restoration. They preached, hallelujah, the day of the Lord. And following the day of the Lord, they, they preach the golden age or the kingdom age. That's what they preach. Say amen. amen. So the Jewish nation was looking for the king to come. Looking for the Messiah to come. Because judgment had fallen on their nation. They had been restored back to their land. But the Messiah hasn't come yet. The king hasn't come yet. So they were looking for that in their days. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. Woo! Glory to God. They knew He would be a descendant of Abraham. They knew He would be a descendant of David. They knew the Messiah was going to come. They knew after the day of the Lord that there would be the golden age where He would rule and reign in Jerusalem. They knew that. They were looking for that to take place. Say Amen. And so all of a sudden, on the, on the day of Pentecost, we'll get to it, the Holy Ghost is poured out. And these people, individuals, are plunged into the Messianic kingdom of God. 
but it's by the Spirit. They're in the spiritual kingdom of God and they're wondering, hmm, what about that political earthly kingdom that we've been looking for? Is that going to happen? And we'll get to that in just a minute. They were looking for a king, say praise the Lord. And the book of Acts is going to show you that you have been plunged into the messianic kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit. And the sphere of His kingdom is the Holy Ghost. And these people were utterly convinced that He had been risen from the dead. They were utterly convinced that He was the true King. They were utterly convinced that they were in the spiritual kingdom of God and they were operating in the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost and they were going around everywhere they could getting people to come into this kingdom. Telling people the King has come. The kingdom is here. Come into His kingdom. Be a part of His kingdom. They evangelized their world because they were utterly convinced He had risen from the dead and that He was the true King of kings and Lord of lords. And so they went forth to evangelize and missionary the world. That's why I showed you those sections as I did. Because they were compelled to go and tell everybody they could that Jesus is come. The Messiah is come. And He's poured out His Spirit upon us. And you can be a part of the kingdom of God right now by a spiritual birth. You can come into His kingdom. If you'll be born again of the water and the Spirit, you can enter into the kingdom of the Messiah. You can be a part of this messianic kingdom. So they went through the world evangelizing, full of zeal, full of power, full of truth, utterly convinced everywhere they went that Jesus had risen from the dead and He was the King of kings sitting upon the throne and they were inviting everybody they could to get into this kingdom. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. And in just a few years, they reached the world from Jerusalem to Rome. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. Won't you lift your hands and give Him praise for that. So there's some things you're not going to find in the book of Acts that we do in the church. Not necessarily bad, but you're not going to find them because you're not in that atmosphere. You've got to get in the atmosphere of the book. You've got to find out really what that early church was all about. And the good thing about the book of Acts, if we didn't have the book of Acts, we would have had no idea about what the early church was like. If you take the book of Acts out of the Word of God, you would be completely at a loss as to what the early church was all about. If you didn't have the book of Acts, you wouldn't know where Galatian, the church of Galatia came from, the church of Corinth, the church of Thessalonica. You wouldn't have known about any of those churches that were founded where they came from, unless you read the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts tell you about where Galatia was founded, where Corinth was founded, where Thessaloniki was founded. Say amen. Because it's all in the book of Acts. You wouldn't understand the book of Corinth if you didn't understand the book of Acts. You wouldn't understand the book of Galatia if you didn't understand the book of Acts. You wouldn't understand the book of Thessalonica if you didn't have the book of Acts because you would not have known where these churches came from. So if the book of Acts was left out, you would not have a clue as to what the early church was all about. You wouldn't know about the founding of those churches you would not understand the books so because you have the book of Acts you have an understanding about what the books mean say praise the Lord because you know where those churches were founded and you know how they were founded you know how they got in the kingdom the book of Acts is a book of the church on the earth being filled with the spirit of God plunged into the messianic kingdom and it's going forth preaching the message of salvation to the world so it wasn't the book of Acts you wouldn't even known about all of that But God is so good, He gave you the book of Acts. 
So I encourage you to wake up your mind today and to wake up your spirit today and get on fire like those people were. Don't let your mind wonder. You're going to learn a lot by the, in the book of Acts. Say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I thank God that God has told me to go through the book of Acts again. This, I didn't get this. I'm, yeah, well, I think I'll do it. No, no, God directed me to go through the book of Acts. You need to find your roots again. You need to find out what the church is supposed to be about. You need to find out what the message of salvation is. You need to be reignited and inspired and also condemned in some ways by the way that early church evangelized the world. They knew they needed the power of God and God gave them the power. Hallelujah to the Lamb. When they took Jesus in the Gospels and crucified Him on the cross, the devil liked to laugh himself to death. When Jesus rose from the dead, He liked to cry himself to death. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus came into that church, He didn't know what to do with Himself because He saw a Jesus on every street corner preaching. When, when Jesus was crucified, he liked to cry to himself today. When Jesus rose from the dead, he liked, uh, when Jesus was crucified, he liked to laugh to himself to death. When he rose from the dead, he liked to cry to himself to death. And on the day of Pentecost, he about lost his mind. Because he saw the body of Christ. And he saw men and women filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost standing on every corner preaching the gospel and evangelizing the world. He about lost his mind on the day of Pentecost because the body of Christ was in the earth and the Holy Ghost of the Spirit of God was moving through that church with signs and miracles and wonders. People speaking with tongues. Signs and miracles and wonders breaking out all around that church. Somebody said, I don't believe that you can get the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues today. Are you funny? It's the same witness. It's the same church. Say, it's the same witness and the same church. What happened in that early church is still going on today. You say, well, we don't see the miracles that early church did. Oh, yes, we do. Because you need to realize that all the miracles that were done in the book of Acts were done within a 30-year period of time. And they took this miracle and this miracle and this miracle and they recorded it in the book of Acts. Can you imagine if you took 30 years, the last 30 years, what God has done in His church in the last 30 years and tried to record it in a book? I don't believe the book would be big enough to contain all the miracles in the last 30 years that God has done. (laughs) So that's utter foolishness for somebody to say the Holy Ghost is not for us today. We have the same witness. We have the same spirit. It's the same church. And it's going to be like that until Jesus comes back. He's still going to break out with miracles all around. And the devil's losing his mind when he hears you preach the gospel and declare the word of God. And when you speak in tongues and miracles breaking out all around you. Do you realize the book of Acts has no formal ending? It has no amen at the end of it? That means the book of Acts is the only book in the Bible that is ongoing right now. You look at the book of Acts, you look at the end of the book of Acts, there's no amen to it. The fact that you got to church today, hallelujah, is in the book of Acts. What I'm preaching today to you is in the book of Acts. When you pray, that's in the book of Acts. When God moves, that's in the book of Acts. Everything that you do in the church now is in the book of Acts. Because it has no formal ending. It's the actions of the Holy Ghost through the church. Say amen, as long as there's a church on the earth, there's going to be the Holy Ghost in that church. Say praise the Lord. 
There was no such thing as a believer in the early church that wasn't baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Not one person in that early church was without the Holy Ghost. Everyone in that early church was filled with the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Every one of them. There was no such thing as a believer in the early church that had not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. There was no such thing as a believer in the early church that was not baptized in Jesus' name. That is totally, utterly true. Say amen. What I just said to you. Everybody was filled with the Holy Ghost in that early church. Everybody spoke in tongues in that early church. Everybody was baptized in Jesus' name in that early church. Everybody believed in the oneness of God. Everybody believed that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Everybody believed that He was the Christ of God, the Son of God. Everybody believed. Not one believer in that early church lacked that experience. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. And some people say, well, we're in the gospel of grace now. We're not in the gospel of the Spirit. What are you funny? There's only one gospel, my friend. And it hasn't changed. It's the same gospel. I thank God for His anointing. You and I can do nothing. I can't preach without that power. I can't teach without that power. I Come on, somebody. We can't get the job done without that supernatural anointing of God's Spirit. So Luke, writing Theophilus, he said, oh, you know, that first treatise, that little pamphlet was all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Say, Jesus. Oh, the same Jesus. In the book of Acts, we're still talking about the same Jesus. We're not talking about a different Jesus. We're talking about the same Jesus. The one that suffered. The one that walked the earth. The one that went through into the Garden of Eden and was tempted. The one who was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended. We're talking about the same Jesus. Say amen. The Jesus of humiliation. The Jesus of suffering. But now he's no longer the Jesus of humiliation. He's the Jesus of exaltation. He's the Jesus of ascension. And he's sitting on the right hand of God. He's the Christ of God. That early church was so anointed, so full of the Holy Ghost and power that when they went out and preached, if they could convince somebody that Jesus was the Son of God, my friend, everybody that was convinced that Jesus was the Son of God automatically came into the church. All you had to do was convince them that Jesus was the Son of God and they were coming in the church. But it's a little bit different today. Soul winning today is a little bit different from that day because we can go out and most of the people we talk to will tell you we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The problem today is even though they believe He's the Son of God, they won't live for Him. Oh, give Him praise in this house. But it wasn't like that in the early days of that early church. That early church, if they could convince people that Jesus was the Christ of God, the Son of God, those people, once convinced, came into the church, were baptized in His name, and filled with His Spirit, and plunged into His Messianic kingdom. That's just the way it was. But so when in today is different from that day. Because there's a lot of people who believe He's the Son of God, but they won't live for Him. They're in rebellion every day, every day. Even, even sitting in the church, hallelujah. Give the Lord praise in the house. But he said that former treatise that I wrote you, that little pamphlet, that little book, that first volume, he said it was about Jesus. Say Jesus. It was about Jesus. The subject was Jesus. The writer was Luke, the one being written to with Theophilus, but the subject was Jesus. The subject of the book of Acts is Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the subject of the whole thing. Jesus. He said, I'm fixing to write you this book called the book of Acts. I don't think he called it the book of Acts, but 
Anyway, for your, for your sake of understanding, the book of Acts is going to be written to you. Amen. Say amen. amen. And it's going to be about Jesus. Jesus. That same one that suffered. That same that was tempted. That same that was beaten with stripes upon His back. That same one that was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected. That same Jesus now sitting upon the throne as King of kings and Lord of lords. He said, now i gotta, I got to preach that same Jesus this unique Jesus, this one and only Jesus, not somebody with the same name, but the Jesus. He said, this is what I'm going to preach to you and I'm going to tell you what He's doing now. He's resurrected, He's on the throne, and He's in His church. And when you see the church, you see the body. And when you see the church, you see spirit and you see fire. Spirit and fire. Because it's God baptizing them with the Holy Ghost and fire. They are people of the fire. They are people of the name. They are people of the anointing. They are the Christed ones of God. They are the body of Jesus Christ. And they're spreading the, the gospel to the world with a supernatural power that is not their own. That's the only way they could do it. And Jesus knew it. Hallelujah. Ooh, I love Him today. I love Him today. So the former treaties of our made, O Theophilus, friend of God, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Just the mention of His name. You having trouble praying? Say Jesus' name. You having battle in your life? Say Jesus. You can't get your hands up to praise? Say Jesus. You're defeated in your life? Say Jesus. And all you gotta do is just mention of his just the mention of his name. Devils will flee apace. Just the mention of his name will bring victory in your life, will bring power in your prayer and in your praise. Say, Jesus. So the book of Acts is gonna show you that early church, the body of Christ, and what it was like and what we should be. My question when we get through the book of Acts, will we find ourselves in there? Will you find yourself in there? Will I find myself in there? That's important, isn't it? Amen. But it's about Jesus. Verse 2. He said, Until the day in which He was taken up. Say taken up. The Gospel says in one place He was carried up. Here it says He was taken up. Say taken up. This simply means, and we'll see in the book of Acts, this is His exaltation. He's exalted now. He's at the, sitting at the right hand of God Almighty. He's exalted. When you say ascension, you're talking about His exaltation. Oh, hallelujah. I love Him. I love Him. I love Him. He's never going to die again. He's never going to suffer again. He's never going to bleed again. No evil, wicked, unbelieving hands. Listen. Listen. No wicked, unbelieving hands ever touched Him after the resurrection. That's right, That's right. No unbelieving wicked hands ever touch him again. He'll never die again. He's, are y'all with me today? He was dead, but now he's alive forevermore. Oh, praise God. But we're not separated from him. We're his body. He's the head. We are one with Jesus Christ. So it says, until the day in which he was taken up, say exalted, ascending up. What did he do? What did he do between that time he was taken up? After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the disciples whom he had chosen. 
So you're in a very unique time in history. Because when I talk to you about Genesis and Abraham and the Bible telling us that he would be the seed of Abraham and we go through the kings and we find out he would be the seed of David and we go through the prophets and we find out judgment, restoration, Messiah, day of the Lord and kingdom age. When we find those historical books, we need to realize that this one book is a part of the whole same book, one book. That's right, that's right. But we have to find out where is this book in the history of God's plan. Say amen. Oh, I feel like preaching to you this morning. There's an anointing on me to preach to you this morning. There's a, a liberty for me to preach to you this word of God today. So we got to find the book of Acts and we got to find its history. What's interesting, at the very beginning of the book of Acts, we find a unique time. We find a time when the law has been fulfilled, but the kingdom has not come yet. It has come in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the kingdom of God and He is the covenant of God. But as far as His body is concerned, the kingdom has not come yet. Wow, isn't this beautiful? So we find a period of time after His resurrection of 40 days. The law has been fulfilled, but the kingdom hasn't come. And He's coming and going in and out of heaven. Say hallelujah. 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 Coming and going in and out of heaven. Walking among them. Not in just humanity, but in a glorified body. In a resurrected body. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. Not walking through walls. Yeah. God don't have to walk through walls. See, Jesus walked through the wall. No, He didn't walk through a wall. God don't walk through walls. He just appears and disappears. God is everywhere. God's presence is everywhere. He didn't have to walk through a wall to be here this morning. God's presence is everywhere. My influence fills this room. But my presence doesn't. Because if my presence filled this room, I'd be pretty big. But God is not only here by His influence, God is here by His presence. So when Jesus appeared to them, He was already there. He just appeared to them. He'd have to walk through a wall to get there. He just appeared. Oh, say praise the Lord. And so for 40 days, He was coming and going in and out of heaven. He didn't have to walk through walls. He just appeared and disappeared from their eyes during that 40 days. And the Bible says, in that very unique time of transition, the Bible says He gave His disciples commandments. Well, we're in the New Testament. I don't believe we have to obey any commandments from God. The Bible says, right in the book of Acts, He says He appeared to them and He gave them commandments. Gave commandments to His disciples whom He had chosen. Say Amen. Amen. These apostles, these disciples, He gave commandments to them. Alright, watch this. Are y'all awake? Verse 3. Alright, say Amen. Amen. To whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion. By many infallible proofs, some translations say many convincing proofs, 
But I like this King James Version word. In, infallible proofs. You might could put it like this. Infallible convincing proofs. I told you that early, uh, that early church was utterly convinced. They had no doubts at all. No doubts at all. To whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion. What was His passion? That's right, His suffering. That time in the Garden of Gethsemane, that, that prayer, that time where He said, Not my will, but Thy will be done. That time where they took Him and whooped Him on His back with a cat of nine tails. And then they took Him, put Him on a cross, crucified Him, put Him in a grave. That time, say Amen. That's the time of His passion. We have His person with them right now for 40 days. He's there personally, bodily resurrected in a glorified body, and He is talking after His passion or after His crucifixion. Say Amen. Amen. After the work of the cross, He is alive from the dead. The book of Acts is a book of resurrection. It's a resurrection book. You're on resurrection ground, church. So He showed Himself the presence, the passion, the presence, alive after His passion by many infallible proofs. Say infallible. infallible. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Look at that. Speaking to them 40 days, speaking to them things concerning the kingdom of God. This is what they've been looking for. They've been looking for the King, the true King. They've been looking for the kingdom of God to come. And so now Jesus is going to talk to them about the kingdom. He's going to let them know you're in the kingdom right now spiritually. That the kingdom is fulfilled spiritually and then later physically. But right now, you've been plunged into the kingdom of God by the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 17 that says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You're in the spirit of the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God. The spirit of the kingdom of God is the Holy Ghost. You're a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Say hallelujah. Oh, you ought to be more excited than that. Did we ever get what this early church had? We won't have any problem evangelizing Odessa or Midland or this, maybe even this nation. We won't have any problem, but we got to get what they got. We got to be utterly convinced. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God's good. So in that time between His resurrection and His ascension, 40 days, the Bible says they saw Him in that 40-day period of time. After His what? His passion. So we find out that He really did die. Okay? His passion. He really did die. He didn't just pass out on the cross. And then they take Him down off the cross after He passed out and put Him in the tomb. And uh, the moisture and the warmth of the tomb revived Him from his passed out condition. It's called the swoon theory, you know. He just swooned out of consciousness and came back in consciousness. And that's the way some people try to explain the death of Jesus. No. This writer's going to tell you he really did die. Amen. Say amen. Give the Lord praise. <clears throat> and those guards there at the sepulcher that day lied. 
when they said somebody came and stole his body away when he rose from the dead. We got a real problem with these fellows. These little fellers. We got a problem with them. You know why? Because they're, they're, you know, they were asleep, but yet they claimed that somebody came and stole this body away. For them to know that somebody came and stole his body away, they would have had to have been awake. But they were asleep. Which means they had to be asleep and awake at the same time for their story to be true. <laughs> no, he didn't just pass out and they put him in a tomb and he just woke up from his passed out condition. He was dead in the grave. <clears throat> Say amen. And when he rose from the dead, he rose bodily. So this writer is going to prove to you that he died, but he is risen. And there's proof, many infallible proofs, convincing proofs. Corinthians says he appeared to 500, 500 people, but there was only 120 of them in the upper room. Kind of makes me wonder where the other 380 are. He appeared to 500 people. Man, they knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. Give God praise in the house. So, in that 40 day period of time before he ascends up the second time, he's appearing to them by many infallible proofs or convincing proofs, his resurrection from the dead. And so the Bible goes on, and he's preaching or speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. See, it didn't come like you thought it would. It didn't come like the Pharisees thought it would. Say amen. I'm having fun. I feel good all over. Good all over. Better than I do anywhere else. I feel good all over today. Well, I don't feel anything. Well, I do. I do. Speaking of them concerning the kingdom of God, Pharisees were looking for the kingdom of God. They knew He would be a descendant of Abraham and David. They knew what the prophet says, judgment, restoration. They knew Messiah, day of the Lord, and age to come. They knew that was in the Word of God. Say Amen. But they had a different idea about what the kingdom was supposed to be. They thought it was going to be a literal, political, earthly kingdom that this Messiah was going to set up when He came. They misinterpreted the Scripture. They misunderstood that when He came, He would die. And then He would pour out His Spirit on a group of people called the church and bring them into a spiritual kingdom. And then following that spiritual kingdom, there would be the literal return and literal kingdom of Messiah. So they didn't understand. So the Pharisees, these businessmen really, they were good businessmen. And they were a brotherhood. Maybe about 6,000 of them. Alright? I believe it's approximately 6,000 of them in the days of Jesus. And they would get together on the week weekdays and, and they would discuss the Bible. But they were just good businessmen. But they had a zeal for the kingdom of God. Because when the kingdom of God comes, a political empire will be set up and the, the Roman Empire will be overthrown. Hallelujah. So God's going to kill all the Romans and set up His kingdom and it's going to be a political kingdom. Well, they're good businessmen, so that's the way they think, right? Pharisees. They're called the separated ones. That's what the name Pharisee means. It means separated ones. Oh, they're the holy ones of their day. 
Yeah, but they're full of hypocrisy. They had an outward form, but that's all they had. They were full of dead men's bones. Say amen, but not all Pharisees were bad Pharisees. There were some good Pharisees that were going to come into the church. But the Pharisees were looking for that earthly political kingdom where the, where the Messiah would come and kill all the Romans. And then there was another group called the Zealots. Y'all heard about the Zealots, right? They were knife carriers. They carried daggers in their sleeves. And they saw, they believed in the kingdom of God coming and the destruction of the Roman Romans. And, and they thought that if they could kill a Roman with a knife, it guaranteed them a place in the kingdom. <laughs> they were zealots. Dagger carriers. Are y'all here today? And then you had the Essenes. Y'all heard the Essenes. I preached about the Essenes before. The Essenes were in Jesus' day. They lived out in the desert in their caves. Alright? And they had a concept of the kingdom of God that when the Messiah comes, He's going to burn everybody up but them. And set up His kingdom. And they would be a part of His kingdom. Everybody else would be burned up, but just the Essenes would be left. And then you have the scribes. Say the scribes. Or I should say the Sadducees. Sadducees. The scribes had keys on their shoulders. They, they were looked at and they said, that person can interpret the Scripture. Look, he's got a key on his shoulder. The scribes were interpreters of the Bible. They saw the scribes. They saw the Sadducees. The Sadducees were sad, you see. Because they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the supernatural. And they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees... The high priest came from the groups of the Sadducees in the days of Jesus because the Sadducees were ultra wealthy. They were like the Sadducees. The Sadducees or the Pharisees had great money, and the, the uh, Sadducees were more or had more money than the Pharisees did, and so they were the high priest in the in the days of Jesus because they could bribe people with their money. But they also believed in the coming of the kingdom in a physical, political way. But then all of a sudden, the Messiah Jesus is crucified on a cross. And the Holy Ghost is poured out on the day of Pentecost, plunging us into the Messianic kingdom spiritually. And this is not what they expected to happen. I'm not saying that, that that literal kingdom will not be established. It will. That's biblical. But they didn't understand that before that, there was going to be the spiritual kingdom of God and that you had to be born again of the water and the Spirit to get into this kingdom. Wow. We got a dead Jesus on our hands. He didn't set up the kingdom like we thought He was and killed all the Romans. So it didn't happen the way they were looking for it to happen. Say amen. amen. See, that's why you got to be careful about prophecy. That's why I have to be careful about prophecy. The book of Luke is what he began to do and teach. The book of Acts is what he continues to do and teach. The book of Revelation is what he has yet to do in the future. So you got to be careful about prophecy, about interpreting prophecy. You can put yourself in a corner. 
So I've taught you the book of Revelation. I've taught you spiritual realities out of the book of Revelation as far as uh, spiritual fulfillments and also literal future fulfillments because you have to look at the Bible that way. You hear? And if you're not careful, you'll read into the Bible things that are not there like a pre-tribulation rapture. My wife showed me on the computer yesterday a warning from Corey Ten Boone. That's the woman that was in the concentration camps. Y'all ever heard of Corey Ten Boone? In the concentration camp. She is warning the Church of America about a pre-tribulation rapture. She said this very type of theology is what caused the per- us to be caught by surprise. The persecution under the Nazis. That kind of theology. I got it in my file cabinet at home. See, I thank God that God has opened our understanding concerning the time of the rapture that the church may through go, go through obstacles and tribulation and persecution. They did in the book of Acts. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. Oh, we would love for Him to come. And we would love to escape all these problems. We would love for Him to come and wipe out government systems and, and you know, and, and us not experience any suffering. That's what they were looking for and hoping for in their day. But when He came, it was a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom was the sphere of the Spirit. Say Amen. amen. Oh, they, they were looking for that. They were expecting that. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. I love it. I love the Word of God. So for 40 days, He's given those disciples He's chosen in the commandments and He's teaching them things concerning the kingdom of God. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, isn't it? Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, ye have heard of Me. So we've heard about the passion. We've seen His presence. Now we find about the promise. He said, you've heard a promise. He said, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, you've heard of Me. He said, you know what? The promise of the Father is coming. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Spirit of God, the outpouring of the Spirit of Jesus Christ is fixing to come into this world. Yes, amen, This is something maybe they knew about or maybe they didn't know about. But it was coming. And he says, you tarry in Jerusalem. He said, you wait right here. He told him in Luke. He told him in Luke, which was the first volume of his writing. Are y'all with me? Let's go to Luke 24. And let's see what he told him. Luke 24. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Is this church got their ears open? You got your ears open? Luke 24. Verse 45, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, Thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So he's teaching them his commandments. He's teaching them, giving them understanding concerning Abraham, David, concerning the prophets, that it was all about him and he was the key of all biblical truth. He was the key. He's giving them that understanding that 40-day period of time before his ascension. The Bible says... How he would suffer and he would rise from the dead the third day, verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his what? His name. Say Jesus. Jesus. Among all nations, 
beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. You are martyrs. You're the martyrs. You're the one that's going to suffer opposition. You're going to suffer persecution. You're going to take my arguments and you're going to take my credentials to the world. You're my martyrs. You're witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father. I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He said, you tarry in Jerusalem until you're clothed, endued with power from on high. You wait till the Holy Ghost comes on you and clothes you or endues you with power. You have to tarry in Jerusalem. You can go in the upper room and you can pray. You can pray together. You can eat together. You with me? You can cast lots for somebody who will take the place of Judas Iscariot. But you cannot go out and preach until you are clothed with power from on high. Till you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Watch. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tear you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Amen. Kingdom is fixing to come in spiritual form. Yes, amen. You're fixing to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You're fixing to be baptized with the Spirit of God. He said, You tarry, you wait in Jerusalem until you get that endowment of power. Power. Say power. Power Power comes from the Greek word dynam. Sometimes it it comes from the word exousia, which means authority. But he's he's going to give you authority, but he's also going to give you dynam, dynamite ability. When you get this power, when you get clothed with this power, it's going to be dynam. It's going to be dynamite. It's going to be dynamic ability. You're going to have ability to do things you could never do. And that ability is the ability of God. And God can do anything. So look at what kind of ability. Look what kind of dynamite, dynamic power you will have. Because this power from on high is the Spirit of God and God can do anything. So He's going to endue you with dynamite. He's going to give you dynamic ability. Supernatural ability to do things you could never do. (laughs) And they knew they needed that power. And I know I need that power. And you need that power. Every one of you need this power of dynamic ability full of the Holy Ghost and power. You can't, you can't preach. You can't teach without that dynamic power. If it wasn't for God's anointing right now, I would have said five or ten words and I'd have been done. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known. I, I'm telling you, I'm relying on the Word and I'm relying on the Spirit and that's the way they were. You can't preach or teach without the anointing. You can stand up and give a lecture, but you can't preach and teach. And so Acts 1, let's go back over there. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, many by many infallible proofs, convincing, infallible convincing proofs. So we've got his passion, we've got his person, we've got his proof, 
we've got His promise. And being assembled together, verse 4, with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, you've heard of Me. What is that promise? You shall be endued with power from on high. The promise is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost! That's the promise of the Father! The new covenant is fixing to be established. Jesus was the king and he was the kingdom and he was the covenant. But now he seeks to establish that new covenant in this earth. The fulfillment of prophecy is coming. The new age is coming. The spirit age is coming. A new covenant's coming. The new age is coming. I'm talking about the true new age. I'm talking about the world to come in the spirit. It's fixing to hit the earth with a flood. It's going to flood the earth. God's going to outpour His Spirit like that. He's going to bring in a new covenant. He's going to bring a new age. He, come on, somebody. He's going to bring in a new priesthood. The Melchizedek priesthood. He's bringing it in. It's fixing to hit. It's fixing to come. Woo, glory to God. And so they're tarrying and they're waiting in anticipation. Thank God. The promise of the Father. If God promised it, it will happen. God promised it, it will happen. It's going to happen. It's coming. That's what He's telling them in that 40 day period. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. You don't even have to pray for it. It's coming. Oh, you don't even have oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. It's coming. Just prepare your heart by faith to receive it. The promise of the Father, He said. Assembled with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said, You know about water baptism. John baptized in water. He said, But what I'm talking about is a baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm talking about an endowment of power. I'm talking about getting clothed with the Spirit of God Almighty. I'm talking about a new clothing for you. I'm talking about a clothing of the Spirit. You're going to be clothed on the outside with the Spirit and you're going to get the Holy Ghost on the inside. It's an endowment. It's a baptism of Spirit. It's a baptism of fire. You'll be people of Spirit and people of fire. Hallelujah. To the Lamb. He said, John baptized with water. Are y'all with me today? But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Oh, I love it, don't you? I love it. I love it. I love it. I thank God. Oh, I don't have to tarry for it anymore. It's already come. It's already, He's already here. The new covenant's here. The new priesthood's here. So now are you clear what was going to come? Are you clear about what the promise is? And somebody said you can't receive it today? For John truly baptized with other, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Say, ye shall. Ye shall. It's for everybody. everybody. He didn't say, well, it's just going to be for this one and just for that one. He said, you shall. Yes, that's right. That's right. There's nobody in that early church that wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost that's speaking right. with other tongues. Right. Ye, shall. ye shall. Look at never say, ye shall. Ye shall. A lying preacher that's standing right. in pulpit. Say, the Holy Ghost is not for us. 
when the canon of Scripture was completed, that was God stopped pouring out the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. There's no more miracles. There's no more healing. There's no more speaking in tongues. Are you funny? Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll look you in the camera and tell you. You're funny as you can be. You shall. If you're in that early church, everybody in that early church, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Even honest Trinitarian preachers will tell you that. Malcolm Smith, one of the greatest theological speaking theologians of our day, one of the greatest uh, speaking theologians of the day, will tell you that, that only, that everybody in that early church, everybody without exception, got the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. So-called Bible scholars, when they come to the book of Acts, they wrestle with these things. Yeah, well, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, they say. Hmm. And all they can do is kind of just, what are we going to do with that? You're just going to have to get honest. And you're going to have to... See, I preach the truth. I thank God for the truth. And I'll tell every one of you here in this church... Without exception, every one of you should have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. Because there's nobody in that early church that didn't. And because I preach that Word, that Word, that's why you are filled with the Spirit. Because you believe that Word. You believe that form of doctrine that was delivered unto you. And because of that, you have and I have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. That's why. It's you shall. It's not just you, everybody. Yes, everybody. Say amen. amen. That's why when you go to a Pentecostal church, if it's dead and dry, it's the most miserable situation you can find on the planet. Because you're not going to find that group in the book of Acts. Say amen. Say amen. Hallelujah. You're going to find people in the church of the book of Acts full of power, full of anointing, baptized with the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues, miracles breaking out all around them. It's a spiritual kingdom. You've been plunged into it, and Jesus is your head. Give God praise in the house. And there's no hierarchy in the church. There's no hierarchy in the church. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. No hierarchy in the church. Just men with different giftings. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But that's not a hierarchy. That's men that have been gifted by God to fulfill a certain purpose in the church. But you are the minister. It's not just me. You're the ministry. You are anointed to preach the Word of God. You, not just me. You. I just have a different gift than you do. But every one of you here should be full of the Holy Ghost. Every one of you should be preaching to the lost. Every one of you should be declaring the Word of God. Every one of you should be a martyr for Jesus. There's no hierarchy in the church. One body made up of kings and priests. You're a king and a priest. I'm a king and a priest. It's one body. I just have a different gifting from you. And I may have a different calling than you do. But you're supposed to be ministers because you are anointed. You are the body of Christ. You are tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled people. You have power. You have been to do with power to preach the Word of God to the lost. There's no hierarchy. 
There's no hierarchy. Say hallelujah. No organizations. No organizations. You won't find an organization in that early church. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Told you you might not find yourself in there. No organizations in the early early church. Say hallelujah to them. No annual conferences. If you're going to be honest, you got to get honest. Say praise the Lord, church. It was one body. It was a body of Christ throughout the whole world. It wasn't denominational thing, denomination here, denomination. They didn't have denominations in the early church. Give God praise in the house. Everybody in the body of Christ, baptized in Jesus' name. Everybody in the body of Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody in the body of Christ. Not a part of an organization, a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, man. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. Don't let people chip you up. Chip you up. Hallelujah. You know, I don't even feel the, I don't only have the anointing of the Holy Ghost on me when that's the most important in the Spirit of God. But I, I sense old brother die speaking through me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't just have the Spirit of God. I got the Spirit of my daddy. Spirit of my daddy. Edmund Dice. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. Cut out of the same cloth. John had the spirit of a John had the spirit of Elijah on. Wasn't just the spirit of God. It was a spirit like Elijah. Cut out of the same cloth. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank God for my heritage. Thank God. Thank God for the truth. Thank God for what God used in my life to bring me into the truth. Thank God for men. Some of them still in organizations today. Thank God for them that showed me the truth. So I'm not preaching against, you know, I'm just telling you what you won't find there that people are so focused on. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Man, I can't believe that time has flown, has it? We're having a good time. Time flies. You get certain situations, you can't wait for the time to be over. Well, you're having a good time, man. You don't even, you're not even aware of time. They're, they're plunging in the kingdom of God. Spiritual kingdom. New priesthood. Hallelujah. New priesthood. New covenant days. Fulfillment of prophecy days. It's beautiful. It's exciting times. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Is it time for that golden age after the day of the Lord? Are you going to restore the kingdom now? Is it time now for that kingdom? Say amen. Amen. And Jesus didn't rebuke them for that question. Say amen. He just said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Which the Father had put in His own, what? Power. That's all He said. He didn't tell them there won't be a future kingdom to come. He didn't rebuke them for their question about the kingdom. 
He said, it's just not for you to know the times of the season which the Father had put in His own power. He said, I got another work for you to do. I got to baptize you in the Spirit into the spiritual yeah. kingdom of God. Yeah. And then you're going to, I've got another word for you to go and preach this gospel to the world before the earthly kingdom will be set up. Amen. Say amen. amen. What you don't know is the times and the seasons. Right. Amen. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. I tell you, the spiritual kingdom is here right now. You're in the kingdom of God. In a spiritual sense. But there is a literal kingdom that's going to come. That's what I'm trying to show you. He didn't correct them and say there won't be a literal kingdom. He just said you don't know the times and the seasons. It's a spiritual kingdom right now. Say, you get it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Some people will tell you there's no future kingdom. That when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, that that is the kingdom. I tell you, Jesus did not rebuke them when they asked about the kingdom. Say hallelujah to the Lamb. There is a literal kingdom coming. Jesus is going to come back from heaven. But you're fixing to be plunged into the Messiah kingdom by the Spirit. Alright, here we go. You ready? It's not for you to know the things of the, uh, the times or seasons which the Father put in His own power, but you shall receive power, dynam. Dynamite. Dynamic ability. I've already preached it to you, so I don't have to repeat it, do I? Aren't you glad for that? Hallelujah. Are you scared to death to go talk to somebody about the Lord? But you just, by faith, you go up there and you start, all of a sudden, it starts flowing out of you. There's a power that you sent. You're discerning and anointing. Wow, I didn't even know I could talk like that. Well, it's the Spirit of God bringing it to your mind. Hallelujah. Well, I wish I could talk. I wish I could witness. You can just open your mouth and watch the Spirit hit you and anoint you. You sick in your body? Let me pray for you. In Jesus' name. It's the name that brings healing. And you stand back in amazement. Look at what the Lord has done. And He did it through you. He did it through the church. It's the actions of the Holy Ghost through you. But you shall receive power, dynamic ability. <sighs> Say, ye shall. Again, ye shall. Everybody received it the same way. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses over 50 times. I believe it's 57 times that the Holy, Holy Ghost is mentioned in the book of Acts. It's the book of the Spirit. You should have been writing notes. I don't understand some of you, man. I go to church. I'd sit down with my notebook in hand almost everything that I could, you know. Now, I'm saying there's a few times I wasn't writing notes, but just about every time I went to church, I had a notebook and pen in hand, and I was writing notes. Writing notes. Say amen, church. Say amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Because it meant something to me. I said it meant something to me. We can edit that one. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses, martyrs unto me. You're going to be persecuted. 
You're going to face obstacles. You're going to go through tribulation. You're going to declare my word, the gospel. You're going to share my credentials or declare my credentials. You're going to present my arguments to the world. You're going to convince them I'm the Christ of God, the Son of God. You're going to convince them of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. And God's going to give you the power to do it. He's going to confirm His Word with signs following. And those signs declare everywhere that He's alive. That He's the true King. Say Amen. Give the Lord praise. Say, ye shall. And ye shall be martyrs unto me, both in Jerusalem. That's going to be the hub. That's going to be the, you know, the, the starting point is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the mother of us all. That's what Galatians says. You see, a mother of, the heavenly Jerusalem is the mother of us all. The church is the mother of us all. Galatians says that. Say amen. So it's going to start in Jerusalem because that's going to be the birthplace of the church. That Jerusalem speaks of the birthing place. When you get in the Word of God and you study Jerusalem, study, that's the birthing place. Jerusalem is the birthplace of the church. Started by Jesus Christ in the city of Jerusalem. 30 to 33 A.D. is when He started His church. He started His own church. It's the birthing place. Say Jerusalem. It's the mother of us all. It's the heavenly city. It's not the earthly city that's the focus today. It's not that earthly Jerusalem that's the focus today. It's the heavenly city. The heavenly Jerusalem, which is the mother of us all. Oh, you don't know the Bible, do you? Galatians will teach you that. You know the Bible. You know the Bible. Heavenly Jerusalem is the mother of us all. One preacher put it this way. He says, don't get mad at me when I speak in tongues. Blame mama. (laughs) Oh, blame mama. If you don't like the way I speak in tongues, blame mama. If you don't like the way I live, blame mama. Hallelujah. If you don't like the word I preach, blame mama. Just look at your neighbor and just say, blame mama. Church, just blame the church. Blame the church. You're going to go from Jerusalem, you're going to go to Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. And in 30 years, they accomplished it. Can you imagine that? That would be like this church in 30 years evangelizing the world. The whole world. Not just this city. But the whole world being evangelized by this church. That's why I say that these 120 in the upper room were inspiring and condemning at the same time. Inspiring because only 120 was there in the upper room, the birthday of the church. 500 saw him, but only 120 showed up for church that day to get the Holy Ghost. And by that 120, as they evangelized, it grew and reached the whole then known world. It's inspiring and condemning at the same time. It inspires me that such a little number could do so much by the power of God. And it's condemning also that such a small number did what they did and we haven't. 
They say, we can't. No, we don't want to. Don't ever say you can't. Say, I don't want to. Oh, God, help me today. But I can't do it. No, you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. Yeah! Oh, Holy Ghost, convict every one of us today. What God wants to do with you, if you just open your mouth, if you just get out there and start declaring the Word of God to Him, befriend them, get to know them, start telling the truth. What God can do with you, there's some of you could fill this church up by yourself in one year. What are you going to do, Pastor? The Bible says my job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Hallelujah. I got my place. Because you never say, I want to. Say, I want to. I'm going to stop saying, I can't. I can. I want to. I'm shy. Get it on in. There is nobody shyer than I am in this whole church. I tell you the truth. Get anointed. When you get anointing, there will come a boldness and a power that is not you. It is God that will do it through you. That's what you need. You need a good old time baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need a renewal and a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. You need to get the spirit of evangelism on you once again. It's here. He's here. He's here. Amen. I say, Lord, baptize me afresh. Lord, I know there's only one baptism of the Holy Ghost, but there's many refillings. Refill me with your Spirit. Give me a zeal to evangelize. So it's inspiring and condemning at the same time. Watch. You're going to be my martyrs. You're going to be my witnesses. And they see you standing on the street corner. You're not the Jesus, but you are a Jesus. What do you mean? Because you're the body of Christ. And you cannot separate the head from the body. Did you hear what I said? You are the body of Christ. Do you understand what I just said? Amen. Body of Christ. When the devil saw all that, all those people preaching, he said he saw Jesus on every corner. Amen. I'm not saying the person was a Jesus or Jesus. I'm just telling you, he saw the body of Jesus Christ on every corner. It about drove him nuts. You're living your life and you're going through trouble and the devil's got you on the run. He's beating you to a pulp and you come into church feeling sorry for yourself. You need to understand, you should be making him lose his mind. You should be the one driving him crazy. Get anointed, get anointed, receive ye power after the Holy Ghost says, Come upon you! I believe that God wants to anoint you to do that business. You can't do the business if you're doing it on your own mind. You'll mess it up every time. You need God to give you supernatural abilities. Now, see, it's kind of hard for me to teach the, the Bible and preach at the same time. I love to teach and I love to preach. And so what I'm doing now is treaching. <laughs> this is treaching. 
You know, it's just hard, man. They tell you when you're teaching, don't preach. That's what they tell you. But I can't, man. When I'm teaching, I got the preacher on me too. You know, sometimes the teacher will stand up and the preacher will stand up. And, you know, who knows what else will stand up. And me at the same time. They're all working at the same time. That's God. That's the Spirit of God here. It's not me. It's God. Give the Lord praise in the house. Some people don't believe in apostle prophets in the last days. They are the ones who lay foundation. Right. That's right. You have to have an apostle or a prophet to lay foundation. Yes, sir. Come on, somebody. Yes. For this church to be in existence, there had to be a foundational ministry of apostle prophet laying foundation in the house. Give God praise, but it's not a man, just a man. It's an anointing. It's Jesus. He's the head with the body. There has to be apostle. There has to be prophet to lay foundation in the early church. Apostle, prophet, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Say amen. amen. But anyway, y'all will learn that uh, in our biblical studies class on Monday night starting at 7 o'clock. You will know, you will learn many of these things about ministries. Okay, we'll be teaching ecclesiology. All right. And by the way, you're invited. If you're, if you're committed and you're dedicated to study and you want to be a student of the Word of God, you are invited. All right. As well as the preachers in the house. So get that. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Now watch. Verse 9, when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now the Bible says he's taken up again. The scripture says he's exalted. It's his exaltation. He's taken up. He's ascending up. He's the only one that went up in his own power. God had to send a chariot to get Elijah off the ground. Elijah could have jumped as hard as he wanted, you know, hard as he could, probably get about two inches off the ground. Jump wasn't going anywhere. God had to send a chariot to take him home. But there ain't no chariot. There is, excuse me, there isn't any chariot coming for Jesus. Jesus can go up in his own power. And he's the only one in the Bible who ever went up in his own power. Oh, hallelujah. God was in him. He was taken up. Now, after 40 days, 40 days of coming and going, in and out of heaven, He's taken up. He ascends. But this is not the first ascension. Because the Bible tells us that His resurrection... Are y'all here? When they wanted to touch Him, he said, I'm not yet, a, don't touch. He says, touch me not. I have not yet ascended to my father or your father. And then later in the day when he appeared, he allowed them to touch him. Which means in between, right after he rose from the dead, when he said, don't touch me. And the next time they saw him and they touched him, that means he had already ascended. So this is not the first ascension. This is the second, at least the second ascension of Jesus Christ. Give the Lord praise in the house. So 40 days and he was going in and out of heaven after the resurrection. Now watch this. Are y'all here? And he appeared to his disciples, I understand, 11 times. Are y'all ready for this? 11 times during those 40 days. 11 times. The number 10 is the number of the perfection of divine order. The number 12 is the number of the perfection of divine government. 
Ten Commandments, the law. You with me? Twelve foundation, layers of foundation, kingdom. So ten is the number of the perfection of divine order, speaks of the law. Twelve is the number or the, the number of perfection of divine government, the kingdom. He appeared to them eleven times before he's taken up. Which means they're not into the law, nor are they in the kingdom. They're a number 11 group. I said they're a number 11 group. They're an in-between group. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost hasn't been poured out and plunged them into the kingdom yet, nor are they under the law anymore. Are y'all with me? I'm talking about the ceremonial law. It's been fulfilled. So it's not 10 times He appears, not 12 times, it's 11 times. So these people are in sort of like the twilight zone. Okay? They're where light and darkness are wrestling for supremacy, you know? Are y'all here today? It's like the dusk and the dawn, etc. They're, they're the number 11 people. They're not in the 10 and they're not in the 12 yet. Hallelujah! Oh! Praise God! You talk about an unusual group. That's, that is the only group in history that will ever be like that. A number 11 group. I'm almost done. Y'all all right out there? When he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So now this is the last time they'll see him physically. I'm talking about physically in a physical body. They may have a vision of him. Like John saw a vision of him. But I'm talking about this is the last time they will see him like that. He's fixing to disappear out of their sight physically. But He's letting them know, I'm still there. You won't be able to see me physically, but I'm there in the Spirit. So I'm going to send, there's going to be two men as I ascend up that will look down at you and say, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which you have seen taken from you shall return in like a manner... Are y'all here? He's coming back the same way he left, physically and bodily. But why stand you gazing, said the two men in white apparel. You are going to see one go and disappear, but he'll still be there. But there's going to be two. There's a witness in the mouth of two or three witnesses let everything be established. He's coming back the same way he left, physically and bodily. Not just spiritually, but he's coming back again physically and bodily. Are y'all with me right now? Wow. And the Bible says a cloud received him, received him out of their sight. Say a cloud. Wow. How many of y'all think it was that that storm cloud? That white cloud. What do you call those? Cumulus? Huh? Oh, you don't know. Anybody know what those white clouds are called? You know? You know? I thought you know, y'all always act like you know everything. And I thought you might know everything, so. It wasn't just a white cloud in the sky or a storm cloud. This is the glory cloud. You take time, and I did yesterday. I took time to look at the word here, cloud, in the Greek. It has to do with the glory cloud. It wasn't just a little white cloud up in the sky you see today or, or a storm cloud. This was the, the glory of God. Catch it. Get 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 it. It's the glory, glory cloud. The glory of God Almighty. Woo. 
This was that Shekinah glory cloud that led Israel in the wilderness. And when Israel saw that glory cloud in the wilderness, they said, that's our king. Because that glory cloud was a manifestation of God. A fire by night and a cloud by day. It was the glory of God himself. And they knew that glory cloud was their king. And they heard the voice of God from the midst of the cloud speaking to them. But they had never seen a man in that cloud. And when that glory cloud received Jesus out of their sight, they saw a man in the cloud. They saw God personified. They saw God incarnate in the cloud. They had never seen a man that high until that day. This was God incarnate. This was God personified. This was their King of kings and Lord of lords. They had never seen a man that high. They heard the voice of God speaking out of the cloud. But they had never seen God personified in that cloud until that day. Give the Lord praise. Lift your hands and worship Him. He was taken up. He was received up. He was carried up, the Bible says, in that cloud. That was their King. That was God personified. The true King of kings and Lord of lords. The one they were looking back to come back and set up the kingdom that was lost to man. The cloud received Him out of their sight as He was taken up. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost will do for you when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why I can tell sometimes when you and I are filled with the Holy Ghost. Say, how do you know I feel the Holy Ghost, Pastor? Because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, when you get in the glory cloud, the glory cloud will lift your hands. The kingdom of God lifts my hands. The kingdom of God lifts my heart. The kingdom of God lifts my hope. The kingdom of God lifts my spirit. The kingdom of God gives me a, a higher life, a higher hope, a higher reason for living. Come on. That's what the key. Hell pulls you down. I said hell pulls you down. But heaven pulls you up. You just need to get in the glory cloud. Thank God. Thank God. Say thank God. I'm drinking from the spout where the glory comes out. I said this morning, I'm drinking from a spout where the glory comes out. I'm in the glory cloud today. God, that's why you'll see sometimes people get anointed and get the glory of God on their face. They'll be like Stephen, radiating with the glory of God. Their face looks like the face of an angel. They radiate with the presence of God. They've been in the glory clouds. So when Jesus was taken up, that was their king personified. And the two witnesses say, He's coming back. He's coming back. Say hallelujah. He's coming back. Praise the Lord God. He's coming back. 
while they looked steadfastly toward heaven. As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Two men. doesn't say two angels. It says two men. I don't know who they are. I don't know if they're Moses and Elijah or who they are. But the Bible says two men. I know there were two men on the Mount of Transfiguration when his countenance was transfigured before them. And I know those two men were Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets declaring the witness of Jesus Christ. Oh, give the Lord praise in this house. Now we see these two men, the Bible says, standing there in white apparel. And the Bible says, oh, I love it. Two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. He's coming back again, they said. The same Jesus. Say the same Jesus. Well, I, I give God praise today. <clears throat> Uh, the former treatise have I made Otheos of all that Jesus began to both do and teach is about Jesus. He's the subject of it and his body. The former treatise have I made Otheos of all that the Jesus began both to do and to teach. Verse one. The word the is not in your Bible. But when you study it, and I did it yesterday, there is a definite article there. It's strange to have a definite article in front of a personal name. You don't normally say the Patrick or, or the Thurman or, or the... Are y'all here today right now? You normally don't put a, a definite article in front of a name like that. But in this text, it's the Jesus. It's not just any Jesus. It's the Jesus. Oh, this same Jesus. The Jesus. The one and only Jesus. Jesus. God manifested flesh. God incarnate. The true King of kings and Lord of lords. God has always been a king. God was always the king. But now he's personified in a human man. They had heard a human voice come out of the cloud. Now they see a human man. The man Christ Jesus. God incarnate in the flesh. Never saw a man that high. So God, God did that to raise you. Yes, sir. That same Jesus, the Jesus, is coming back. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the from the Mount called Olives. He left from the Mount of Olives. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives, physically and bodily and literally. And at that time, in the day of the Lord, He will set up His earthly kingdom. Are y'all with me? It's not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in His own power. Whew. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon me, on you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Syria. And on the uttermost part of the earth, He's telling them the Holy Ghost is coming. The Spirit of God is coming. This is going to be the sphere of the King we're going to operate in. But let it be known that He will return bodily and physically and He will set up that earthly kingdom. But you have to prepare for it spiritually. Give the Lord praise in the house. Okay, i got to hurry. And he will return to the Mount of Olives when he comes back. The Bible says they, they went back to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives about a seven days journey. And when they were coming, they, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, and John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotus, Zutus, the brother of James. They're going into the upper room now. An upper chamber in an upper room. No doubt this was uh, Mark, John Mark's mother's house. In an upper room, an upper chamber. Give the Lord praise. Say the upper room. 
They're going back to that. This is not about a biography of any of the apostles. This is not a biography of the apostle Paul. It's not a biography of the apostle Peter. It's not a biography of any of these apostles. This is believed to be the speech of the apostle Paul when he stood before the emperor of Rome. And Luke recorded the Apostle Paul's speech to the Emperor of Rome, which is the book of Acts. That is what it's believed to be. It is not a biography of any of them. It's about Jesus and His church. Give God praise in the house. But here they are. They're all gathered into an upper room, these apostles of the Lord. Gathered there in specific groupings, named specifically in certain ways. I think it's very interesting the way the Word of God lists them. In the Gospels, it's Peter, James, and John. Peter was a worker. John was a dreamer. So you got to put James in between them because they always want to fight. Peter's going to wonder, why aren't you working, James? Why aren't you working, John? And John's wondering, why don't you have dreams like I do? So they always, they were in disagreement. So James had to be put in the middle of them. But when you get in the book of Acts, it's no longer Peter, James, and John. It's Peter and John. Because now you don't need James. The Holy Ghost has come and people can settle their differences now by the power of the living God. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. But I don't, I don't have time to get into it. But the groupings of these people are significant. Why God put this one with that one when He named them in the Bible? It was significant to show you what the Spirit of God can do in a person's life. How God can change a zealot that would put a knife in the back of a Matthew who was a tax collector, but will put him in the same group. God can change you. And God can give you the ability to settle your differences. Give the Lord praise in this house. Woo! Glory to God. I said glory to God. We got Peter a preacher. He's going to preach. He's going to evangelize. We got John mending nets. So once you get him in the kingdom, you keep him in the kingdom. They won't get through the nets. So in the Bible, the Bible tells us they do certain things. We got the fishers and we got the menders of net to show you that people need to be caught and brought in the church. But there's some people who have a gift to mend the nets. That means to keep them once you get them in the church. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The Spirit of God brings unity. So he lists his disciples here. And then the Bible says, these all continued with one accord in prayer. Say prayer and supplication. The word supplication means to humbly call upon God. It means to bow your knee. When you have supplication, you have bowed your knee to God and you're humbly crying out in prayer to God. That's why it says prayer and supplication. It's humility of prayer. It's bowing your head and bowing your knees to God in prayer and calling out to God. But they're not praying for the Holy Ghost because as far as I know, they don't know anything about it other than what Jesus told them. You shall receive power. They don't know a whole lot about what's going to happen. So they're not asking. They're not praying for the Holy Ghost. They're just going to receive it. Okay. Amen. Yes. Say amen. amen. So the Bible says they continue. Say, they're all together. They continued. Say, continued. Will you continue or will you backslide? They continued. Say, amen. In prayer and supplication. Humility of prayer. Give God praise. They weren't praying for the Holy Ghost. But we do need to pray for power. Amen in the name of Jesus. Oh, I love Him right now. I feel His Spirit upon me. Oh, I feel His Spirit in the church house this morning. 
They continued with one accord. They had the same desires, Brother Patrick. One accord. Say one accord. We don't have division in this early church. That's another thing you're not going to find in this book of Acts chapter 1 experience here in chapter 2. There's no division in the church. They're all in one accord. They got the same desire. They got the same purpose in their life. And that's to know Jesus and to spread the gospel. Give us a church that's got unity. Give us a church of one accord. One desire and one purpose let it be his desire and his purpose there's no division here they're one one chord the bible said one accord continue in one accord in prayer and supplication and the women are there too Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. Mary is not the mother of God. Mary was the mother of the humanity of God. She was the mother of the sonship, the humanity of Jesus. Mary was not ascended either. She was not taken up by ascension. Mary was filled with the Holy Ghost just like the rest of them were. If Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed the baptism of the Spirit, so do you. Amen. She wasn't the mother of God and she didn't ascend up like Jesus to sit on the right hand of God to be a mediator for you. There's only one mediator between God and man and that's the man Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. She got the Holy Ghost just like you and I got the Holy Ghost. She needed to be saved just like you and I need to be saved. Oh, praise God. She needed the blood just like you need the blood. Oh, amen. His disciples are there. The Bible says Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. The women are there, the Bible says. And his brethren. Brethren according to the flesh. They didn't believe in him when he walked the earth in the Gospels. But after his resurrection, here comes James. Oh, hallelujah. James was there in the upper room. His brethren was there. His mama was there. The, the disciples were there and the Bible says there was about, say about 120. It doesn't say 120. It says about 120. It's about 120. Well, if it says if it's about 120, that means it was probably 120. And I believe why? Because God is fulfilling type and prophecy. Because when you study 120, that is the removal of all flesh and the yielding to the Spirit. When you talk about 120, it's the removing of the flesh and the yielding of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. That's why it says it's about 120, so you'll know there's a top to it. Let all flesh be removed, and let there be the Spirit in our lives. The removal of the flesh and the filling of the Spirit. About 120. Say amen. amen. And where are they? They're in the upper room. What are they doing in the upper room? They're praying. They can pray without the Holy Ghost. And when they're praying, oh, y'all hear me? Say amen. You can pray without the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says, not only that, but they ate there and they slept there. Say amen. They needed a place to stay. So they slept there at night. They ate there at night. They prayed together there. They picked uh, Matthias there. But the Bible tells me that they went to the temple in the hour of prayer. Oh, you got to catch this. The hour of prayer was nine in the morning. Say amen. 
the hour of prayer was at the time of the morning sacrifice. Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m., the time of the morning sacrifice. He died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the time of the evening sacrifice. And so uh, the disciples would have gone to the temple at 9 o'clock in the morning for prayer. The Bible says when they got there, they prayed. They didn't ask for the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Luke 24, when they got there, they were praising and blessing God. But they went up at the time of the morning sacrifice, not desiring to participate in that sacrifice because the sacrifice had been made. They went to the temple in the hour of prayer in the morning at 9 o'clock in order to bless and praise God. They were still that in-between group at that time. And so it was not the upper room that they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, Peter said, it's but the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And we know by Luke 24 that they were in the temple praising and blessing God at the time of the morning sacrifice, which is nine o'clock. So when the Holy Ghost was poured out at the time of the morning sacrifice at nine o'clock in the morning, they were not in the upper room. They were in the temple. Got the Holy Ghost in the temple, not the other upper room. Get the Lord praise in the house. And when they got the Holy Ghost in the temple at nine o'clock in the morning, they fulfilled that temple's purpose and they became the temple of the living God. And about 40 years from then, that temple will be completely destroyed because now you got the temple of the Lord in the earth giving praise in the house. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So in Acts 2, it tells us the time that they got the Holy Ghost. It was the third hour of the day. So it was in the temple. I love him, don't you? I love him right now. So they ate, they drank, they slept, they prayed. They chose Matthias to take Judas's place in the in the upper room, but they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at 9 o'clock in the morning as they were praising and blessing God in the temple. And they become the true temple of the living God. Now the Bible says, and I have covered it, but I'll read it to you. Oh, in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, you need somebody to stand up because you've got to have direction. You've got to have leadership. So we got somebody standing up here. His name is Peter. Peter has the keys to the kingdom of, of heaven. Oh, God has given him the keys. Keys show you how to get into the kingdom. Keys open doors into the kingdom. And Peter's got the keys that will open doors into the kingdom. He doesn't just have keys to the kingdom. He's got the keys of the kingdom. And those keys unlock the scripture. Keys of the kingdom unlock the understanding of the kingdom. They are spiritual keys given to, from God to Peter. The keys not just to get in, but the keys of the kingdom to understand it. Oh, you need to understand that. You need keys to it to get in, but you need keys of it so you'll understand the mysteries of it. Oh, give him praise. So they're tearing in Jerusalem. Now what? The Bible says. Ooh. Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. About men and brethren, 
What's wrong, Peter? You're calling them men and brethren. Yeah. There's women there too. He's not blind. This is a spiritual thing. You may be a, a female naturally, but you're still my brother. No, we'll leave, it, we'll leave that alone. You're still my sister. We just leave that alone. Hallelujah. No, I'm messing with you. Men and brethren, he said, Oh, I love it today. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost today. I feel God's approval on me to declare the Word of God. I feel God's anointing on me to help you understand the book of Acts. I thank God today for His power. He's standing up. He says, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was God to them that, that took Jesus. He said there's prophecy in the Bible that talks about a man and Judas is the fulfillment of it. And when you read the Psalms and you read about this betrayal of Jesus in the Psalms, you may miss the fact, you may not understand it, what was going on there. But now Peter says, this is a fulfillment of the Bible. Judas fulfilled Scripture when he betrayed Jesus. And so now we need to replace him, Judas, with another so we'll have the perfection of divine government. We need 12 apostles. And so we need somebody to take Judas's place. But the Bible predicted or prophesied what he would do. So it's not a surprise it didn't have to be Judas. It could have been somebody else. But Judas fulfilled the Bible. The Bible predicted it in advance that he would betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now, Peter says, it's time for us to replace him. Yes, Lord, I give you praise today. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. The Bible says in verse 17, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Judas was numbered with us. He was one of the twelve apostles. And he had part of this ministry. He was in the ministry. He was a bishop. He was seen as a bishop. He was seen as an apostle, a preacher. Say amen. Give the Lord praise. The Bible says this man, okay, even though he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry, now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. You know what happened to Judas Iscariot. He used to walk with us. He used to be a part of this ministry here. But you know what he did? He betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. He sold him. I'm giving you the truth here, you know, in between the lines, for 30 pieces of silver. And you know, after that, that he went and hung himself on his own tree. And when he hung himself on his own tree, Jesus hung on a tree for him. Jesus hung on a tree so none of us would have to hang on a tree. But because he rejected the Christ of God, then he will hang on his own tree. So you know what happened to him? He went and he hung himself. And when he hung himself, he committed suicide. The, the Bible says uh, the rope broke or the belt broke. 
and he went headlong at the base of the cliff and when he hit his bowels busted out of his body that's what happened to Judas Iscariot this is the results of a betrayer this is what will happen to a betrayer and so there he is a man who died and went to hell a man who was a preacher, a man who was in the ministry, a man who was with us, but backslid away from God. He is a type of the last days when there will be a huge apostasy from the church. Those who were once with us and maybe had a part in the ministry will backslide like Judas in the last days. It's called the apostasy or the great falling away. But Isaiah chapter 60 talks about another group of people. And the book of Acts typifies them. They will be filled with a baptism of the Holy Ghost and they will be on fire. The latter house will be greater than the former house, saith the Lord. It's this latter house is going to be greater than that early one. You need to praise God because the former and the latter rain are coming down together. It's going to be greater. So there's going to be some people that are Holy Ghost filled, that are on fire with God. They will be people of fire and spirit. They will be people of the latter rain. Look for those people in the last days. But also look for those Judas Iscariots among you. Those who betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Who may be a part of you for a while. And may be involved in ministry. But backslide or fall away from the Lord. And lose their salvation. And their ministry as well. Get it. You got to see it. And understand. That heaven and hell is open for every one of you to choose. Every one of you in this church this morning, you're choosing heaven or hell. You're choosing to be that body that's full of the Holy Ghost on fire or you're choosing to be a body of backsliding betrayers. Make up your mind today to choose heaven. Make up your mind today to be a part of that latter rain outpouring of the Holy Ghost and fire. We need to make sure we're not backslid as a church. I need to make sure I'm not backslid as a preacher. Just because you're in the church don't make you saved. Just because you're a preacher don't make you saved. You can be a part of the ministry and you can be saved, but you can backslide and betray Jesus and go straight into hell. When a person, I'm coming to a close, when a person betrays the Lord, begins to backslide and turn away from God, they start having heavy thoughts of suicide. That's one of the main manifestations of somebody who's backsliding. They cannot get the thought of suicide out of their minds. We need to make sure we're for the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost will lift you up. It'll lift your hopes. It'll lift your eyes. It'll lift your dreams. It'll lift your spirit. It'll lift your soul. Get full of the Holy Ghost this morning or you could be dead tomorrow. Yes! Right, amen. So he is a type of those in the last days who will fall away from the Lord. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And the Bible says this. Watch this. For it is written in the book of Psalms. Oh, verse 19, he was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem. Insomuch as the field is called in their proper tongue, Akeldama, that is to say, the field of blood. The field of blood. They took that blood money and they purchased it. They purchased a potter's field with it. Purchased a potter's field with it. 
The potter's field would, would be where you would go if you were a potter and what you were working with, the clay was marred in your hands. You would take it and throw it in that field. Or if the clay pot broke, shattered into pieces, you would take the pieces of the potter pottery and cast them into the potter's field. The field of academia, the field of blood was also known as the potter's field. And what Jesus is saying to you is this, is that He came and when He died on that cross, even though He was betrayed by that man for 30 pieces of silver, when He died on that cross, He purchased the field of all the broken vessels and all the marred vessels of the world so He could put you back together. So He could put you back together. And the word field of blood, the word blood there, I've said it in the past, means feminine blood. He being a man, when He shed His blood, it says this is the blood that's the price of a woman. He purchased you, church, as His bride. Give the Lord praise in the house. Judas Iscariot should have been there on the day of Pentecost received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and become an apostle of the Lord. He should have been there. He had a part of it. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He was with in fellowship with the disciples, but he went away from the Lord. The end result is, the Bible says not only did he fall to the edge of that cliff and his bowels gushed out, but the Bible says he went to his own place. He went to his own place. He went to hell in His own place. That's why some people say, you remember Jesus said this, Brother Patrick, about Judas. He said He is Diablos. He is the devil. Jesus didn't say He had a demon. Jesus didn't say He had a devil. Jesus said He is the devil. And because he went to his own place, some people, prophecy preachers, preach that Judas Iscariot will be raised from the dead and he'll be the Antichrist in the last days. Because he went to his own place. He might not be raised, in my opinion, raised from the dead in the Antichrist in the last days, but the spirit of Antichrist was what was in him. And the spirit of Antichrist is what's going to cause multitudes to depart from Jesus in the last days. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Now remember this, this is all going on before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us, for it is written in the book of Psalm, let this habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric let another take. Let somebody else take his ministry. Let somebody else take his call. Isn't that sad? But Jesus chose him. It's a mystery, isn't it? Jesus could choose him, but yet he ended up being a devil. We say, well, Jesus, could Jesus have made a mistake? No, he didn't make a mistake because the whole time Jesus ate and slept with Jesus there, got around the fireside at night with the rest of the disciples with Jesus. Jesus knew it. He told them, one of you is a devil. Jesus didn't lose sight of who he was. He knew. But to the very end, He's trying to reach Him. Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And Judas opened his mouth. He didn't just peck Him on the chip. He opened his mouth with his jaws wide open and kissed Jesus. A kiss of betrayal. And Jesus was trying to reach that man to the very end. Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? 
He called him my companion. Friend. Friend. He called him my friend, my companion. But the word there means a person who's acquainted but not intimate. Jesus knew he wasn't a true friend. He knew he was just an acquaintance even there at the very end. So the Bible says he lost his soul and he lost his ministry. And the Scripture goes on and tells us this is all before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So now after the promise and after the parting of Jesus from them into the heavens, now we have the picking. They're going to pick who will replace Judas Iscariot. We have the parting. We have the prayer. We have the promise, the parting, the prayer, now the picking. He says, look at this. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John into that same day that He was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of His resurrection. He said, here's the qualifications for this man to replace Judas. He must have been with us when Jesus was alive. He must have witnessed the baptism of Jesus before His death, and He must witness the resurrection of Jesus after His death. This is the qualification for this man to take the place of Judas. They appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two Thou hast chosen. You see, they didn't get a committee to get meeting together. No, they went to God and said, God, who did you choose? Let the Holy Ghost choose. Who will be in authority? Who will be in office? Who will be in that apostleship? They're in tune with the head. Amen. Decisions they're making. Said, I want to be that. No, God says who will. And so, Joseph Bar- uh, called Barsabas, who was named Justice and Matthias, they prayed and said, Thou Lord, say Lord. Lord. Yeah, He's the Lord. Which knowest the hearts of all men. Show whether these two Thou hast chosen that He may take part of this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. They gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Leviticus 16, I believe it is, it talks about the casting of lots. They would take stones and cast the lots. I don't know if it was white side, white on one side, black on the other side. I don't know how it all worked, because the Bible's not clear, but they'd cast lots, and they would determine the will of God by casting lots. So here they cast lots as a, as according to the old ways because they're number 11 people. They're not in the kingdom yet and they're not under the law anymore. So they go back to the old way of doing things and they cast lots to determine who would replace Judas Iscariot. And the Bible says, and the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles, which means now there's 12. I will tell you today, this is my personal conviction. I'm not going to go against any other's conviction on this as far as minister is concerned. Any man of God in the field of labor, I will not correct that man, but I will tell you that uh, unless God shows me otherwise, it is not the way of God to use lots anymore or fleeces. 
it is not necessary for you to fleece God. It's not necessary for you to cast lots to determine the will of God. It's my opinion. Unless God shows me differently, this is the opinion I'll walk in. Why? Because you're led from within now by the Holy Ghost. So you don't need a lot now. You've got the Spirit of God. The Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord suffered them not to go. They were led within by the Spirit. But in this case, because they're number 11 people. In fact, there's 11 disciples here too. Number 11 people. They go back to that old way of doing things. They cast a lot. And they find that Matthias is the one that God has chosen. So evidently it worked. But remember, that's before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Okay. Now, some will say, they made a mistake. It shouldn't have been Matthias. It should have been the Apostle Paul. If they had just waited a little bit longer, the Apostle Paul, he's the true number 12. That's what some will teach you. They will teach you that they made a mistake. I don't believe they made a mistake because if they made a mistake here, that means they would have made a lot. What other mistakes would they have made down the road? I don't believe these 11 apostles made a mistake here. I believe Matthias was chosen by God. I believe that when you get to heaven, you'll see Matthias' name. One of those foundations. You'll see His name. How do you know, Pastor? Can you prove it by the Word of God they didn't make a mistake? Yes, the Bible says in the next chapter, Peter's standing up with the eleven. That means Matthias was the one of the eleven and Peter makes twelve. And later on, the Apostle Paul acknowledges Matthias as being one of the eleven. The Corinthians. So they didn't make a mistake. Hallelujah. I love him. And so now, everything is in place for them to be plunged into the messianic kingdom of Jesus Christ. Did y'all, some of y'all wanted me to go on, didn't you? Acts chapter 2. There's still that number 11 group yet. The Holy Ghost hadn't been poured out yet. Very unique time. Acts chapter 1. And Acts chapter 2. The outpouring of the Spirit of God. Plunging them into the Messianic kingdom of Jesus Christ. Everything was in place. Are y'all with me? And so, hallelujah! Next Sunday, by the grace and will of God, we'll be in Acts chapter 2. And we'll see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We'll see the birthday of the church. We'll see who started it. Amen. We'll see when it was started. Amen. We'll see how it was started. Come on. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. And if you're going to be a part of the church of the living God, you have to get in the church the same way they did. Yes, you get to. Say you get to. Get to. You don't have to. You say, I get to. Get You're looking at a man who was raised in a denominational church. I went through it all. I went through the catechism. I was converted. Went through conversion. They sprinkled me with water and everything else. At 18 years of age, I found about the New Testament Christianity. 18. Isn't that sad? I had to wait till I was 18 to find out about New Testament Christianity. I beat some of y'all though. 
18 years of age, somebody showed me New Testament Christianity. Guess what happened to this Lutheran boy? 18 years. I guess I was a man then. Guess what happened to this Lutheran man at 18? He got baptized in Jesus' name and got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. And I didn't even know that happened to Lutheran people. It happened to me. And what God did for me, God will do for you. Say amen. amen. In the same way they experienced God in that early church, that New Testament church, the same way you and I did. Amen. Aren't you thankful today for the truth? Aren't you thankful for the truth? Praise the Lord! That's the first chapter of the book of Acts. Thank God for helping me teach you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I said He loves you. And He wants you to understand. And He wants you to be clear on what the truth is. Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise You for Your blessing upon Your church. We thank You for Your anointing upon us to declare the Word of God. I thank You for all those who have gone before me that have laid so much foundation in me as far as understanding is concerned. And I thank You ultimately for the Word of God. For Your Word, Jesus. For You, Jesus. I praise You and I bless You and I magnify You. In Jesus' name we pray. Remember this. They didn't ask, they didn't pray for the Holy Ghost to come. It just came. And when it came, they received the Spirit. We get together and we say, let's come up here, let's all pray for the Holy Ghost. No, receive you the Holy Ghost. See, there's some things we do and say not in the book of Acts. I wonder today when we get through with the book of Acts if we're going to find ourselves in the book of Acts. How many of y'all think you will? You better lift your hands. Okay, I'm not saying everything that we do like Sunday school was not bad. But I pray to God we find ourselves in the book of Acts. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to let you go home. I enjoyed it this morning. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, really, I enjoyed my time with you. My fellowship with you. Just, just get in the good Word of God. Say the good Word of God. It's the good Word of God. Good Word of God. Yeah. Y'all are special people.